Tea drinkers and listeners, this is Corey Calder with Staffelty Spilling the Tea. Season 2 coming at you. This season is all about summer PL and PD. A little professional learning, professional development for you as an educator. We are going to have on authors, administrators, and teachers bringing the fire to your summer about what it takes to be the best you can be. Today's author is Mike Roberts, who wrote Hacking Classroom Management. After this episode, continue to listen during the outro so you can get signed up to win a copy of his book, a free copy of his book. I hope you all are doing well. There's the bell. Time for class. Education Nation, this is Corey Calder with Staffelty Spilling the Tea. It is my great pleasure today to have on my first author of a book. Um, So I can't wait to get into this episode today, and I hope you all give it a listen and, uh, you know, purchase the book and check it out. Uh, The book's called Hacking Classroom Management. I have on Mr. Mike Roberts. How's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I, um, after starting this podcast, I've kind of had like a little itch that one day, not anytime soon, but one day I want to try to go down the route of, of writing a book. What it's about, I have no idea. The intended audience, no idea. But I just have that itch inside of me after doing these podcasts. So I appreciate you coming on and spilling the tea. No, absolutely. Love, do, love to be here and uh, encourage you to write a book. It's a, it's a great process to get you to reflect on uh, not only what you do, but, but why you do it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, for the, my listeners who have no clue who you are, can you kind of introduce yourself, talk about your current role, um, and just kind of spill the tea on who you are? Yeah. So uh, for the last 21 years, I've been an eighth grade English teacher here in Salt Lake City, Utah. I um, absolutely love getting in the classroom, uh, hanging out with kids, engaging with them, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but next year, I'm going to be taking on a new role at a new district. I'm going to be the instructional coach. At a, at a new junior high school. And um, I'll also still be in the classroom, so I'll still get that opportunity to hang out with kids and stuff. But I'm uh, looking forward to my new role of, of getting in the classroom and, and helping teachers become better teachers, thus helping their students have a better experience at school. As far as other stuff goes, um, I've written uh, three books. So Hacking Classroom Management is the one you mentioned. Um, that one goes through just a lot of good ways to, to connect with students. Um, build relationships with students, how to actively engage with students in their learning. And then uh, I wrote another one after that called uh, Chasing Greatness, 26.2 Ways Teaching is Like Running a Marathon. I'm a big I'm a big runner. And so this one is a combination of running stories from, you know, when I first started all the way up to, you know, 100 mile races and, you know, a 450 mile adventure run I did mixed with uh, a whole bunch of teaching strategies. And it's a great combination of, of uh, insights from runners from all over the world. I mean, we're talking Olympians and record holders and things like that who are, who are generous enough to give their time to me, as well as just um, people who just started running. And same thing with teachers. I have some insights from first-year teachers in the book all the way up to some 40-year veterans. And then just to keep things uh, mixed up a little bit, I'm also the co-author of uh, the New Science Teacher's Handbook, um, which I was dealing more with the teaching aspects than the science teaching aspects, but uh, definitely a fun experience there. So that's a, I also, you know, teach some college classes on classroom management, literacy and the content areas. Um, I love presenting. Uh, I love getting out there doing, you know, sharing ideas. Um, I have I actually have a webinar coming up if anyone's interested on July 20th. If you like the stuff you're hearing here today, 
Um, I'm going to be going over 50 cool strategies that I've learned over the last 20 years, giving away a whole bunch of uh, resources there as well. So I just love sharing ideas, love teaching, uh, love getting in the classroom. Yeah, everything about education, I just really, really dig. Well, perfect. And what I'll do is I'll text you when we're done and maybe you can email me sort of the directions on how to sign up. I'll throw it in the show notes. And so when the listeners hear this and they want to go sign up, it's all in one place. Oh, perfect. That'd be great. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Awesome. Well, um, well, I appreciate it. Well, let's kind of dive into like you in the classroom and then let's get to you as an author. Um, you know, what would your kids say about you as a, as a teacher? Um, they'd say that I am um, both challenging and fun. And I think, you know, when I first started teaching, that was, to me, those were separate things. You, you could either be, you know, the fun teacher or you could be the challenging teacher. And for a lot of years, I, I struggled with which one I wanted to be. I, I, my first couple of years, I was very much, I want to be the fun teacher. And, you know, my content kind of fell off a little bit. I, uh, you know, didn't, didn't hit as many learning targets as I would hope. So then the next couple of years, I did the 180 on that and, and went more towards, well, I'm going to be the challenging teacher. And that's when I really started drilling home, you know, here's the content, here's the content, here's the content. And I don't think the content was as effective because I wasn't connected with my students. And so I, I think that combination of, of being a, a challenging teacher with those high expectations, um, one of the best compliments I received, you know, this is my last year at my current school. And uh, one of my former students came back and, and talked to me and said, you know, one thing I really appreciated about your class, Mr. Roberts, is uh, you would always make it engaging and fun in a way that challenged us. And mm -hmm. so we're having fun, but we're also being pushed to learn new things. And so I, I hope that's what a lot of my students uh, not only have found, but will find in the future is that um, it's, it's a fun and challenging environment where I push them, but I support them in the process. Very cool. And, I, you know, my first year teaching, I was also at a middle school and I had all these fun learning activities for my health classroom. Uh, PE is a completely different monster, but. For my health classroom, I had all these cool activities, but I struggled with looking back at it, making it a 90-minute lesson. You know, I did a fun learning activity. We learned content. We did an activity. We reflected. That's an hour, you know, 30 minutes. As a first-year teacher, I was like, oh, this is cool. Y'all got free time. And then stuff just didn't go well. Arguments would happen. You know, I wasn't engaging them. So, you know, I wish I had this book my first year teaching, but uh, I can definitely relate with you with being a different type of teacher and growing along the way. And that's a hard one in that, you know, a lot of times we give those students, especially middle school, I mean, you give, you give a seventh grader five minutes, it's like Lord of the Flies. Yeah. And, and I think it's, we get, you know, we'll finish our unit because it's tough to gauge time when you haven't had that experience. So I remember, you know, being those first few years thinking I have this great lesson for my 45 minute class and it's over in 20 minutes. Or you have this uh, idea that you think is only going to take 10 minutes and take the full 45. So it's really hard to judge stuff. And um, every time, you know, my students would act out when I give them free time, they tend to overuse it and, and cause some problems rather than just talking quietly mm -hmm. like my plan. And I'd get mad at them when in reality, that's completely on me. Uh, I, I think the, the best defense to, to effective classroom management is a great lesson plan. I always say the best offense is a, a great defense. And it's one of those things where if I've laid everything out, if I've planned everything accordingly, you're not going to have every, every minute of your classroom should have structure. 
And I don't think you'll have those problems if you have some backup strategies. And that's, that's a lot of what I try to do in, in hacking classroom management is just give these little five or 10 minute tips because, you know, five minutes of class period doesn't sound like a lot. Uh, but I did the math on it. If you gave five minutes a day and you have five class periods, if you're a secondary teacher, that ends up equaling over two weeks of over 80 hours, I should say, uh, which is two weeks of uh, educational time that you lost. And if you wow. ask, and if you ask teachers, the one thing they say they don't have enough of is time. And if you're giving away that five minutes a day, it's a lot like saving for retirement. A little bit every day adds up to a lot. And so um, a lot of the, the tips and strategies in the book are about transitions and how do you go from one activity to the next. And when you have that five or 10 minute chunk, instead of just saying talk quietly with your partners or, or take out a book, you know, both those things are valuable, but if they're just being add-ons, I think they lose the value. If they're intended in your lesson, that's one thing. But if it's just an add-on, I think it gets lost. And again, then we end up getting mad at our students for something that we kind of set them up for. Very cool. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. And so let's let's dive into some of those. I don't want to go through all 10 because I want people to go, you know, get the book, read it. Um, one thing I'll give you a little plug about, I the way I love your book and a lot of these hacking books, you know, you're the 17th book or the 15th book of the hacking series. Um, I like that they're easy to read, but it's one that you can go back, you dog ear a bunch of pages and you can go back and like dissect it and really stick it to your craft. Um, you know, some of the strategies worked well for me in my PE classroom, some mm -hmm. of them were PE in the gym and then some worked well in my health classroom. And so like, I'm going to go through my top three that I, that spoke the most to me. And then I want to kind of see if I can get a top three from you. I know it's probably like kids and you don't want to pick a favorite, but <laughs> I'm going to see what I can do. Uh, my three favorite were get them moving. And that's more in the health classroom, but I'll, I'll push all the desk aside. We'll do a review activity where they're reading note cards. They're going up to a friend or uh, someone they don't know. They're quizzing each other. It's called quiz, quiz trade and you trade it. And I got that idea kind of from learning a little bit of your stuff. Um, I also like the personalized teaching for their needs. Mm -hmm. um, that one really hit when I got to high school because kids did not want to be in my health classroom. They wanted to be in the gym all the time. And so when I let them pick, when I let them pick what they wanted to do within my content for the week, they loved it. I mean, they absolutely loved it. Even the kids who would be your discipline referral kid was learning and trying and doing their best. Um, and then the last one was set up student self-assessment. I've never heard of that until reading this book, um, letting my students kind of create a rubric or create the assessment that they're going to be doing at the end of a unit. So those are my top three. Do you have a top three or do you want to speak to any of those? Yeah, I'll, I'll run through um, your top three and then I'll throw in a couple more of mine. Um, the first one with the movement, Man, I'm a huge fan of it. And I think a lot of us are starting to realize the importance of it, especially if we've been teaching digitally or online or distance learning or whatever you're calling it, where you all are from. Um, you know, sitting in front of that computer, man, for me personally, I had to get up and walk around like a lot as I was doing that. I actually have a stand-up desk now where, you know, I'm moving as I'm as I'm teaching these classes. Imagine, and that's one of the scenarios I, I, I talk about in the book is, Think how much your students sit throughout the day. They, uh -huh. get, they get on the bus, 
drive to school. They get to school, sit through first period, sit through second period, sit through third period, maybe sit through lunch. Then they go back and sit through fourth period, sit through. Then they go home, back on the bus where they're sitting. Then they sit down and do that homework. I mean, they're not really moving until, you know, five, six, seven o'clock. And that's only if they have like a sports practice or an activity. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and you know, the PE class, I think that's where a lot of teachers are like, well, that's where they get off their steam. Well, they're getting all their steam in like, you know, a 45 minute session. (laughs) To me, it's better if if you give them those little moments to stand up and move. Mm -hmm. And I talk about in the book, hey, they're going to move one way or the other. And, and it, the best way to do it is for you to control the movement and say, okay, we're going to break up into groups. I need you to, you know, find three people, even a little movement like that. Okay. I need someone to come up to the board and do this movement like that. But then I go to the extreme and do the walk and talks that I think I talk about in the book where we go and have a discussion, a lecture, and we're walking around the outside of my school. And so I basically line my class up two by two by two by two. I'll ask a question. They'll just walk for about one minute to discuss the question. After a minute, I'll say, all right, thank your partners. They'll thank their partners. The person on the right will take a big step to the back. The person in the back will come to the front and I'll ask the next question. And so they're getting a variety of ideas from a variety of people, but it's, it's, we're up and moving rather than sitting in your, you know, your group of three and asking eight questions to get the same insight from the other two kids. You're now getting eight insight from eight different people while moving a little more. So mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of, of letting them move. And it's, it's one of those funny things where um, a lot of times kids want to go to the bathroom just to get up and move. Yeah. And, and I can't fault them for that. I, I'm the same way. I'm like, I had to go for a little walk here. You know, every now and then when you get a prep period, I'll go, you know, a quick little 15 minute walk out in the sun and it just changes your attitude. One thing I've noticed though, whenever you're doing something cool, suddenly no one has to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That's the, yeah. No one has bladder issues. You know, when you're doing something <laughs> fun, it's only when things get boring that people so, um, but Along those same lines, that's where a lot of my book ideas, um, where I come up with a lot of my ideas about teaching and my books is when I'm out on a walk or out on a run. And uh, there's a brain researcher, his name is Jim Quick, I believe. And he said, when the body moves, the brain grooves. And he said, when you're moving, there's a lot of research that your brain is firing off. So I don't think it's just good for them to move to get the wiggles out. That's why I'm not a huge fan of, okay, let's do a brain break and you stretch and run around for 10 seconds and then off you go again. I think it's better in connection with the learning. So they're moving as they learn. It just solidifies a little more. So huge fan of, of that one. Um, the personalized learning, again, I, I think, it, and you even touched on this, it's hard for a kid to complain about the learning if you give them say in what they are learning. Absolutely. And, and this is a tough one for teachers because you're giving up the power here. You're not saying, here's what you have to do, and you have to do it my way. You give options, okay? So here's six or seven options you can do, but one option that I always give is do something that impresses me. And so if we have a project, hey, here are six options, or you can come up with your own. And, you know, if they do come up with something that impresses me, you know, one that they want to do, they have to run it by me first. You yep. have to go over what are the learning targets and how are you going to achieve this? Are you doing this by yourself or with somebody and what's your timeline and things like that. But um, some of the best projects that I can remember were when kids just came up with them on their own. And, and this one girl, we were doing a oral presentations and I, I'm again, to make it personal, I, I like kids basically choose what they want to present on. I'm, I'm pre- testing them on their presentation skills, their eye contact, their volume, their organization. 
I'm not um, grading them on what you presented on. So they love it because they can do whatever they want. And man, they put in some effort into those presentations. But I yep. remember this one girl, she said, uh, I really like horse riding, horseback riding. Can I do it on horseback riding? I said, sweet, no problem. She said, well, can I dress up for it? And I was like, ooh, I think everyone would really like that. She said, sweet. So it's time for her to do her presentation. And and she, you know, walks up and she says, she's all dressed up, you know, in the class period. And she says, can I go first today? Which she wasn't really the first to volunteer, you know, first kid to volunteer ever. And yeah. so her wanting to go first, I was like, absolutely. She said, okay, but we got to go out to the backfield to do this. No way. She brought in <laughs> brought the- <laughs> one of her horses. Didn't tell me beforehand, which is classic eighth grade move. Just, oh yeah, by the way, my mom has our horse out in the backfield. That's cool, right? Um, but yeah, she brought it in, did the presentation on horseback <laughs> riding while riding the horse and modeling how it all looked. Super oh, rad. my God. I know. And so it's things like that where you're like, I would have never thought, hey, why don't you bring in your horse to do this? So the more, <laughs> the more you can personalize the learning and give them choices and give them options and flexibility and turn over some of that power. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that hack as well. And then self-assessments. Yeah. I, to me, self-assessments are something that, that I don't know why every teacher doesn't do it. And, and I teach a, a class here in Utah. Um, our teachers can get a license. It's called the al- alternative route to licensing. So they have their degree to get put in. And it's almost like um, interning as you get your license. And I, I teach the classroom management for a lot of these um, teaching interns and we do these self-assessments in my class and it's my class is basically all self-assessment. Like, how do you think you did today? How was your presentation? How was, and they reflect on it. And every time I do this, we have this discussion about teachers think, Oh, but what about, you know, every kid's just going to want to get that a, and I think a lot of times that's where we, what we assume. And from my experience, whether it's with my middle school kids or my, my teachers that I've taught, I would say about 80% of the people who do a self-assessment nail it with exactly what I would have said with, you know, my presentation, I went a little long. I could have reorganized it. I stumbled a couple times. Thus I deserve blank. Um, same thing with in-class work. You know, how are you doing? I mean, a lot of my college stuff, uh, the students would read at home and watch videos and they would give me an honest assessment of, you know, I kind of skimmed the last 15 pages. I think if you set it up right, your students will be honest. The vast, vast majority of our students are good, good kids. And yet we make all these rules and policies for the two or three knuckleheads that are going to disrupt it. So seating charts. Well, no one can have a seating chart because Johnny and and Steven can't sit together. And bathroom uh, policies. Well, I got to make sure you only get three per semester because Sally and Jessica are going to ruin it for everybody. And (laughs) and so um, we, I, I, I'm big on giving that power back. And this is where self-assessment comes in again. It's not, it's now not me giving you a grade. It's you assessing, thinking here's what you deserve. And then me reflecting on, on that. And so 80% of the time people nail it. Now there is 20% of the time. And right there you're thinking, see, I told you, actually I would say about 15% of that 20% or 15% of the remaining 20%. People are too hard on themselves. I am grazing grades a whole lot more often than I, have oh, wow. to say, than I have to drop grades. You do have those kids who say, well, I was perfect. You know, I showed up and the, the paper's great. And you have to have those conversations and coach them. 
look, you're saying you deserve a 30 out of 30 on this paper and, and you didn't capitalize the first letter. Uh-huh. You know, you can't, perfection is perfection and that's not perfect, man. And so then we talk about that. So it, it's a great learning opportunity, uh, but I would say 80% nail it, 15% are too hard on themselves. And then even that 5%, you kind of coach them through it and they figure it out. So huge, huge fan of self-assessment as well. Um, I'm looking actually at my book because I don't have my hacks memorized. And <laughs> if, if it makes, yeah, yeah, I would say um, I'm really a big fan of the first one about classroom procedures and, and rules. Uh, and again, to me, the best classrooms are classrooms where it, it, uh, it's a mutual respect. It's not my classroom and these are my rules and here's your grade that I gave you. It's no, we come up with these things together. Yep. And, and you're controlling, you're still driving the ship here. You're not letting, you know, someone else take the wheel, but you're also allowing input for ideas and direction and, and which way should we go with this? And to me, I get, again, I used to have so many rules up in my classroom and it was all about don't do this, know this, know that, don't do this. And you look around and you're like, holy cow. And it, 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 you're not, it's just not very inviting when all you see is you can't do stuff. And even something as simple as how you word it. Kids running down the hall, I think a lot of us stop running, don't run. We can just turn that around and be, hey, walk, please. And right yep. there, you got the same thing across. And so as you start establishing the, these procedures and rules and things like that in your room, really look at the language you use and how can you be uh, very kid-friendly in that language. And again, give over some of that power. And, and when we talk about, you know, I don't have seating charts in my class. And again, that's one that teachers really, really cling to. And I say, well, what would happen if you got rid of your seating chart? And a lot of teachers are like, I don't know. I never thought of that. And for a lot of us, we taught the way we were taught because that system worked for us. The problem with that is that teacher who taught you was probably teaching the way they were taught. And that teacher who taught them was probably teaching the way they were taught. So the system that we're using is like 150 years old when the kids have changed in that time. So I think it's about being a little bit flexible with, with your rules and procedures and just giving the kids some, some input and some say in that one. And then if I would pick another one that I really like, um, it would be the uh, hack three about supporting your students outside of the classroom. And this is a little easier in secondary, you know, middle school and high school where they start having, you know, uh, sports and, and dance concerts and, um, you know, plays and things like that. But I think it, it just means so much for those kids when they see their teacher there at that game or that event supporting them. And I, I know we all have busy lives and you have families and you have other commitments. And, and I, I run into teachers all the time who say, I think it's ridiculous that you expect me to go to every single event. And I say, I don't expect you to go to every single event. I expect you to go to some events because as ridiculous as it is to say, go to every event, I think it's ridiculous to say you can't go to any events. Mm-hmm. And again, be smart. If you're a school, you have some big football team and you have 15 students on the football team, go to the football game and wipe out 15 kids at once rather than, you know, go to the individualized, you know, um, activity. Try to pick the big items and make it a, a fun thing. Invite some colleagues, go out to eat before, show up, sit with the students. Uh, kids dig that kind of stuff. And you also, yeah. don't have to, you also don't have to go to the whole event. That's the other thing that 
uh, scares a lot of teachers is, you know, by the time I, you know, go load up the car, go to the game, blah, blah, blah. It's like three hours and I have a family. I hear that. I think you can do it by making little cameo appearances. Show up for the first quarter of a, a basketball game. Kind of wave, smile, talk to some kids, and then leave. And But then the next day in class, when you see those students who are in the game, you can be like, hey, I went to the game last night. I can only stay for the first quarter. Man, you were killing it. How did it end up? And again, it just shows that you care about them. And I argue the more you care about them uh, outside of the classroom, the more they're going to care about you and what you do inside of the classroom. But even outside of the classroom can be the hallway. It always weirds me out when I see teachers walking down the hall and not talking to students and, and not, you know, um, saying nice job or not, you know, fist bumping or not saying, ooh, I like your new shoes or little things like that. Those, I, I maintain that uh, teaching isn't about doing that one big thing. It's about doing those hundred little things. And that's what the difference is between a, a good teacher and a great teacher. The good teachers do the, the big things and the great teachers do the big things and all the little things as well. For so sure. There, and there's a couple of my favorite hacks thrown in there too. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I appreciate that. And I, I did not mean to cut you off. Um, but one thing I love about the school that I'm at um, currently is, you know, I'll go to the sporting event and our, th th that one, if my staff read this book, they're looking at that one and they're like, Oh, that's obvious. Like we're going to the events. Um, and what the kids love and they'll tell me the next day, they're like, Oh, Calder, I knew you're at the game. I heard your voice. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, fast break, had a layup. And all I heard was you go. And like, he, he just, he knew my voice. And he's like, that moment was great. Or on a uh, episode I had where I had the senior class come on uh, 10 members of the senior class, come on and spill the tea. Three or four of them talked about at sporting events, they heard their favorite teacher's voice. So they heard, one of their teachers' voice at an event, and they just made it for them, or it made them feel comfortable in a high-stress situation. And it's like, if we can provide that for kids, why are we not doing that? And the fact that your school does it, I absolutely love. And that's one of the things I, I really enjoy talking to teachers about this book is they'll read it and say, oh, I totally do that one. But then there's like others in here where they're, they realize, oh, I could totally do that, and I'm not. And, and one of the things I like about um, writing the book is it not only presents here's why you should do it, it also has the section of, hey, here's going to be some some kickback you might get or some thoughts you might have about why it wouldn't work. So mm -hmm. I also address not only here's why you should, but for those of you who are like, this wouldn't work in my school, well, here's the argument why it would. So, yeah, I really uh, I really think it's cool that, that there are schools out there and that culture has been established that, no, you're here for kids first and you support them as often as you can. And then, like you said, that's the stuff they remember. If you were to ask everybody in your school or in your district, you know, pick that teacher that you remember, I think most of us are picking someone who connected with us personally in some way. They're not remembering Absolutely. that great lesson on symbolism or, or you know, the Pythagorean theorem, which, again, is, is valuable. But they're remembering those little things, those little conversations you have, you going that little extra mile, you pull them on the side and saying, nice job. Uh, that's another one of my favorite hacks is the, the emailing. Sending home a, a positive email or two every day is so easy to do. And it puts you in a good mood because I think too often after a long day of teaching, we're exhausted and we go home and, and we complain to our family and friends about, you know, the three bad things that happened. When in reality, if you think of your school day, 
there are so many cool, good things that are happening, but we just got to train ourselves to pay attention to them. We got to train ourselves instead of being trained to listen for that swear word out in the hall, listen to that kind word. Instead of yep. watching out for that kid who's breaking the rules, watch out for that kid who's doing something good or something nice for someone else. And at the end of the day, you just write up a, a quick, and again, you can write a note, you can call, but uh, I like emails because um, you can copy and paste, which I know sounds ingenuine, but it, it's not. If I have a kid who, who knocked it out of the park on a test today, and I'm super proud of the effort they gave, and I really look forward to them continuing this, that doesn't mean I can only be super proud of one kid. You can be proud of a four or five of you really killed it. I'm sending out emails to all your parents. And you just copy and paste. Just remember, little veteran tip here, change names and, yep. change, and change those pronouns. So yeah, you got you to do the pronouns. <laughs> oh, my God. I've been uh, – and, again, I've gotten so much better at it now um, because what I now do – and, again, here's another little tip. If I'm sending home, like, five good emails in a day and, and two of them are to, to you know, females and, and three of them are to males, hey, I'm doing all the males first getting the he's in there and then doing all the females getting the she's in there. Cause that way you're less likely to, to run into those issues. But yeah, sending home those emails, it means a lot to, and I always CC the kid on it as well. So I send it to the parents. If that kid's been getting in some trouble at school with the principal, a lot of times CC the principal on it. Um, and, oh, that's smart. Yeah. It's about spreading the, the positive. I've never mojo. thought about CCing a teacher or admin. That's, that's smart. Yeah, and especially if kids who, who struggle academically or, or socially or emotionally, uh, I think a lot of times they need that to, to balance out some of the stuff that, that, you know, that gets brought up in meetings like this. I think every kid, I think every person has good elements to them, but too often we, we focus on kind of the negative stuff. And so anytime you can build that kid up, it does go a, a long way. Well, and you've probably had this experience before, but I love the positive emails, positive phone calls, you know, depending on if my parent, the parent I'm getting in contact with has either or, yeah. um, but I'll, I'll do a couple, you know, at the end of our archery unit, Hey, you know, Susie Q did a really nice job at doing this. Uh, she really improved. That's why her grade is this, or, or, you know, Shamika really helped her friends on the range. Uh, this was incredible. I was so pumped, so impressed. And the kid comes to class the next day. And the first thing they say is, Thanks for the nice note. Thanks for the nice email. And the other kids are like, where's my email? And so they, they'll sometimes behave because that's what they want at home. Yep. They're in trouble. Their phone's stolen. They're like, called her. Listen, I need my phone this weekend. Can you please write a nice letter? And I'm like, I need you to do the right thing before I even think about doing a letter. Um, <laughs> so you, you get those kids on your side and it really helps being a teacher. It helps your classroom management. I've also noticed that a lot of those parents who don't respond to the, maybe the negative emails, suddenly they respond to the happy emails. <laughs> you, yeah. ever send, you ever send that email home and you're like, I wonder if they got this. Whenever I've sent the positives, I get a, a nice response back from a good 85% of the parents that just say, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And another thing that really kind of enlightened me and woke me up is, you know, when I first started doing this several years ago, I had multiple parents say, this is the first time a teacher has reached out to me for something positive. Oh yeah. And it got me thinking when you think of those parental interactions, it's, we got to talk about this bad behavior. We got to talk about this bad grade. I need you to, uh, again, you know, sign this thing that says that you showed your parents that you failed this test or whatever. It's, it's, it's really messed up that 
And again, I give a few tips on this. How do you start the year in a positive way with parents? How do you continually engage with parents throughout the course of the year? But uh, I, I think an email is just a super easy way and the kids really do appreciate it, like you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. So what I want to get into, and I kind of got to ask you this uh, because of the time we're in, but you know, if, if our county or your county or any listener's county has to start the year virtual, uh, completely virtual, not a hybrid formula, but completely virtual, how could they use these hacks to help them with their virtual learning? Yeah, I think if we start online, um, the biggest thing, and just like in the classroom, is establish those relationships as strongly as possible right off the bat. Yep. And if we're online, that's going to mean you're going to have to spend more time with getting to know your students, your students getting to know each other, your students getting to know you. Because at school, you can do that in the first few days, and then you supplement it because you're seeing them in the hall, and you're seeing them at lunch, and you're seeing them. If it's the digital world, though, your curriculum, from my perspective, is going to be pushed back an extra few days. Um, because if they're not connecting with you right off the bat and making those connections and establishing those relationships with you, when you start throwing out that work, it, it's just going to be you know like an, like an online class where, where you haven't talked to them. You haven't, um, if, if you're you know, doing a Zoom or something, show your face and, and see their faces where they can. And I mean, I, I think it's, you got to be sending home those emails um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, introducing yourself. I, I, you know, I send an email beginning of every year to all my students. And again, depends on how your school set up and what kind of email system you have, but I can send an email to all my students um, and, and it goes out to all of them. And I can do the same thing to all the parents and it automatically goes out to all of them. And I introduce myself in two different letters. One is very, you know, uh, adult with, Hey, here's kind of who I am and why I became a teacher and why I'm excited about this year. And the other one is geared towards the kids. Like here's a bunch of the rad things we're going to do. I'm excited about the year. Let's go. And uh, yeah. So beginning of the year emails, um, there are some things I, I'd be a big fan of, of doing something. I, I do it. Uh, I call it uh, five facts about your child where parents send me five facts about um, their kid. And we read these, you know, if you're online, you could read these out loud and then you, the other kids try to guess who it is. Um, so kids could send you unique facts about themselves. You could do a, a simple, you know, uh, here's an oral presentation. You got two minutes to introduce yourself. Here's kind of what I'm looking for. So there's the academic piece where you're saying, hey, here's, here's an assignment for you. And you're not going to do all of them in one day because nobody's going to want to sit down and, and listen to, you know, 20 two-minute presentations in a day. You do, you know, four or five a day. But it's just slowly integrating and you're sharing stories. And uh, one of the things, again, that I talk about in the book is the importance of those first two minutes and the last two minutes of every class. And how do you how do you establish and build those relationships in those first and last two minutes? So I think there's a lot of different things you could do to to start the year the right way, even if we are, you know, uh, online. Yeah. And and one thing, our school district sent out a survey for all teachers to kind of give input to start next school year. And one thing I put in there for the high school that I'm at is and hopefully all high schools is we had a class called advisory. And so what that is, it's like a check-in with your kid and we do like restorative practices and we just kind of have our 14 kids that we see once a week and we do like lesson with them to check in with them. It's not graded, but I was like, 
we need to bring back advisory and we need to have like each teacher and they might hate me for saying this on this, but you need to have, I think like a caseload, you need to have your 15 kids where if any of their teachers can't get to them for whatever reason, they know that you have a relationship with them during this COVID phase where we can get in touch with them and we can help them out with whatever they need. You know, if they're not doing their homework, there's a reason behind it. Right. So maybe we can answer the questions for them, but I would love if we had some sort of advisory where, like you said, maybe, you know, content's pushed back a couple of days up to a week or two, but maybe they meet with their advisory every other day for an hour and we're just checking in with them, seeing how they're doing mentally and emotionally, seeing how they're feeling about the upcoming school year starting virtually and seeing what we can do to help them be successful. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, been an advisor every year that I've been a teacher and I'm a huge fan of it in that again you're you're just connecting with kids and you're not necessarily talking about the academic stuff um you're just building those relationships and checking in but we also this year or past couple years um I asked my students I'm like what are some things you're interested in learning about in advisory and they came up with a whole bunch of topics and uh we had you know different advisors in eighth grade and each advisor picked a topic and the advisories would rotate. So my topic that the kids were interested in was um, financial literacy and financial planning. And so we talked about credit cards and savings and checks and, and all that kind of stuff. And then they'd go to someone else and they wanted to learn about, um, you know, grocery shopping and what does grocery shopping look like? And then they went to someone else who taught them uh, uh, about car maintenance and how do you change a tire? Then they went to someone else who taught real basic first aid. So teachers were kind of playing into their interest, but it was also geared around student interest. And we called it the life skills unit where kids would bounce around for six or eight weeks and learn one particular life skill every advisory. And they really dug it. Um, they, they liked learning, but still connecting with, with each other, uh, hearing the stories behind the teacher and how did the teacher um, you know, learn that skill and things like that. And it just, again, solidified. Anytime you can solidify what you need in the classroom outside of the classroom. I'm a huge fan of an advisory is a, a great opportunity for that. As long as it's done correctly. For sure. I, I've seen a lot of advisories where it, it becomes a, well, now you just talk quietly and, and that becomes a mess and they're not really getting anything out of it. So I, I think an advisory needs to be structured and, and planned just like a classroom, but it's not geared like a classroom. I know that's kind of weird to say, but um, it, it's much more of a, Let's get to know each other as people rather than as, as a student, as a teacher. Yeah, for it to be effective, you really got to teach teachers how to be effective in that setting. You know, it's not like, oh, I don't care about this 15 minutes, 30 minutes, y'all just chat. No, 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 no. We need to, you know, we need to bring it for these kids and teach some stuff that either they picked or stuff that we want them to know, or even if it's just a check-in session to make sure they're right mentally and emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. So my last thing before we get into some shout outs um, is how did you come to write a book? What was your aha moment to be an author? Um, so I was a columnist for English Journal for a couple of years. And so I, I don't know, I just had an idea of, hey, why not use young adult literature in the classroom? So I pitched this idea to English Journal and for two or three years, I wrote a, a monthly column for them. And I really liked that idea of sharing ideas. Um, and then 
as far as the books go, my first book was actually, I co-authored it with uh, my then girlfriend, my now wife. Um, that was the new science teacher's handbook. She was writing it and she said, why don't you help me out here and give me some of your teaching strategies? So I threw some in there. And then I became a, uh, started teaching that college class that I was mentioning for, for newer teachers. And after a couple of years, one of my students came up to me and said, man, you should just write all this stuff down and write a book because this is, this is awesome stuff. So I thought about it and, uh, you know, I started looking up books on, I was like, well, what, what kind of my, my passion here? And it's kind of classroom management and relationships and, and connecting with kids. So I started looking up some, some publishers who, you know, did that kind of stuff. And the hack learning series popped up and there wasn't a book on classroom management. So I, you know, shot off an email um, to them saying, here's kind of my idea. And then you go through that whole process of, okay, here's the idea. Send me a sample chapter. You send a sample chapter and then you have to, you know, send a, here's kind of an outline of, of what I think each chapter would look like. And, you know, over the course of a, a summer, I, I just, this one was pretty easy for me to, to write, to be honest, because I had it all that I'd already been doing all these years. So it's just a matter of, okay, how am I going to clump these ideas together and, and group them up and, and things like that. So that worked out. And then, um, like I said, the, the third book chasing greatness, I'm a big runner. Uh, I, I run a lot. And, and so I wanted to combine my two passions because there's a lot of teachers out there who are runners. Um, and, and so I wanted to combine these two passions. So again, same thing. It's just a matter of jotting down ideas. Then you pitch the idea, you get some support, you write it, you edit it, you revise it, edit, revise it. There's a saying out there, writers don't write, they rewrite. Um, and that's very, very true. If you're, <laughs> if you're looking to write a book, it is not a, well, I edited it five times at my house by myself. I mean, and you have to be willing to, to concede some things and say, if this is what the publisher thinks is better, or this is what their audience is looking for, even if it's that something that you, you love and you think is super important, there, there's, it's a, a great uh, way to collaborate with other people. Writing a book definitely definitely makes you uh, appreciate others more and, and think that there can be some different perspectives beside your own. Well, I, you know, I got your, your cell number, so block me if you don't want me to text you. But <laughs> when I finally have that thought in my head, that, that idea churning uh, to do one of these books, I will probably reach out to you. So just let me know, hey, you know, stop blowing me up. You got to go through these steps and just just mentor me real quick because I got one brewing. I just don't know what it is yet. I think what it's going to be is when I become an administrator, I want to do like a, a year long journal of my first year. Um, and I just want to kind of document it and then put it out there for people who might find it useful. So that's kind of where my head's at, but we'll see what actually happens. Very cool idea. You also have to realize, and this is hard uh, for a lot of people to hear, it's tough to publish a book. Oh, I bet. And it's one of those things where if you're doing it, you know, I, I wrote down all these ideas for, for all the books um, because I had an idea that I want to get it out. And whether or not I got published, you know, wasn't really my end goal necessarily. Um, it, it's awesome that it does get published and people read it and people, you know, send me emails saying thanks for that. But for me, it, it, the part that made me a better teacher was thinking through it as I wrote it. And really reflecting, why do I do this? And, and how could I do this differently? And, and you know, is this something that benefits my students? Or is it much more me-based? 
And so it really, it's a great experience to, to reflect on, on who you are as a teacher, who you want to be. Very cool. Well, I'm just going to read one Amazon review for my listeners. Uh, it says, this is a quick read, uh, is a must for all teachers, new teachers, veteran teachers, and those in between. The hacks for classroom management presented here are practical, useful, and fun. Mike Roberts understands teaching and learning well. This book is awesome. Read it. Um, our last spot of the show is a chance for you to give any shout outs that you might have. Um, so do you want to shout out anybody or a company or, or anything out there that you want to give kudos to? Um, yeah, I'd like to shout out uh, my colleague, Bill Tatomer. He is um, he was a, a Navy veteran who started teaching, uh, I think, 13 years ago. And so this is his last year. And uh, so, yeah, just a great guy, great friend. Um, and so I'm going to miss seeing him uh, in school. I'd also like to shout out my, you know, publishing company and, and Mark Barnes uh, times 10 publications for giving me the opportunity to write this book. Um, I'd also, and, and again, I, I love sharing ideas. So if any of your listeners want to blow up my phone or whatever, I'm happy with that too. You can reach me in all kinds of ways. I'm on Twitter uh, at bald Roberts. Uh, I'm not really super active in posting a whole bunch of stuff, but I do respond and reply to stuff, but I, I'm on there quite a bit, to be honest. Um, so if they want to ask me a question there, they can, if they want to email me, I am the bald English teacher at gmail.com. <laughs> I love it. And they can give me any questions there. Uh, they can go to my website, the bald English teacher.com. Uh, I have a lot of free resources on there, including, you know, if there are any English teachers out there, I have a, like 14 or 15 different unit plans that you just have to email me. I can't put them up because, you know, my students obviously have access to the internet too. So if I put up all like test quizzes and all that kind of stuff, I would help them out too much. But if, you, <laughs> if, if, if they want to, you know, check that out and use some resources and reach out to me. And then the last thing would be the, uh, the webinar I'm teaching. So we went over, you know, five or six ideas here. Honestly, we're, we're going over 50 of them. It is going to be three hours of just rapid fire. Me just, just coming at you. Um, and everybody who, you know, signs up, will get a, a nice little, uh, little handout with all the, all the details and all the descriptions of the activities and how to do them. And then I also have, if I had to guess, I'd say it's about a hundred video links that I'll be, I'll be giving out as well. Some of them are connected to theory. Some of them are connected to, you know, practice. Some of them are connected to just being a teacher and are just simply funny. Um, so yeah. So if you have any question about anything like that, just hit me up on, on one of those and I'm, I'm happy to share whatever I have to, to help you all out. Well, Mike, this was an absolute pleasure. Um, I look forward to signing up for the July 20th uh, webinar presentation. And like I said, definitely shoot me an email with the directions on how to sign up. Oh, uh, super. Let me just jump in real fast. Super well, easy. Just do it. Just yeah. do it. Uh, it. You go to the baldenglishteacher.com. And you go to up top, it says um, presentations or speaking. And then it just if you type in the, I think I may even have a pop-up on the site. That, well, first thing you see is the new teacher boot camp is what I call it. Um, so, yeah, but I'll send you an email as well. But it's super easy to find if you just go to my website. Perfect. And, and I, I literally just registered for it <laughs> as you were talking. It's thebaldenglishteacher.com. So you got to include the D. And you just hit register with that pop-up you mentioned, and boom. And hang on, hang on, did you already complete the registration? No, I did not. I just I pulled the, I pulled okay. the page up. 
Perfect. So um, I'm also offering now that we're friends and all, you know, being a web, uh, being on a podcast here, uh, there's a $5 um, coupon code that you can click on in. So instead of the 25 bucks, it'll be like 20 bucks. If you type in SLCC. SLCC. Gotcha. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. So that'll take off an extra little chunk of change, but yeah, it should be super cool. And, and like I said, if, if any of your audience reads one of my books and has a question or wants more detail about things, just email me and uh, I'm out there. I'm, I'm, I'm always willing to help. Well, I typically get nervous trying to DM, you know, professionals. So I appreciate you making that possible and easy. And hey, do, do you get do you get nervous uh, DMing teachers? Because that's what that's what I am. I mean, I'm a teacher who just happens to to do this other stuff. Well, so, I, yeah, I, just, no. I just get weirded out by the DM process as a whole. Yeah. <laughs> students talk about. <laughs> that is true. I don't blame you. That's no joke. No but, joke. But I did. I appreciate you so much coming on, spilling the tea. This was great. Um, and I really hope we, you know, connect sometime in the future because, like I said, this was a, a fun time. I learned a bunch. I know the listeners will learn a bunch. And, you know, good luck next school year, no matter how you start. Yeah, same goes to you, and I appreciate you having me on. And uh, if you ever need anything else, don't hesitate to reach out. And that was the first episode of Staffelty Spilling the Tea Season 2. Now, if you're listening to this and you got this far, you are wanting a free copy of this book. We barely touched on it today. It has so much information that's going to help you be the best staff member possible, whether you're a department chair, a school leader, or a teacher. This book has everything you need to help others and yourself with classroom management. So all you need to do is leave a written review on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. Leave a written review about today's episode and make sure your name's on it. And if you do that, you'll be entered in a raffle to win a free copy of this book. As always, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Until next week, see ya.